Factory's Creativity Unleashed podcast. Join me, Tiffany McIsaac, and my partner in creative pursuits, Melanie Pinto, as we explore creativity as a state of mind rather than a talent we're born with. Here you'll find guided meditations, insightful conversations, and evocative tools to help you unleash your full potential. Because when we live life from a place of creative thinking, the opportunities are endless. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on episode two of Creativity Unleashed. On today's podcast, we're talking with producer, songwriter, and drummer from Finger Eleven, Steve Malella. I honestly have to say this was such an engaging conversation. Tune in as we hear about Steve's journey through the music industry, how not taking no for an answer was pivotal in getting him where he is today, and what he thinks it takes to become a successful artist. We hope you enjoy these insights from Steve as much as we did. Here's the podcast. Hey, Steve, how's it going? What's up, Tiff? How's it going? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, how is isolation treating your creative process? How's it been it's going? not bad. I, I've, been, I've been lucky enough to... Uh, I have a home studio, so that always helps. Um, I've been lucky enough to find ways to, to stay productive. Uh, a few weeks ago when all this... Uh, sort of started I got a, an opportunity to, to pitch a couple songs for a movie oh, wow. which is pretty cool so that at least you can do on your own right mm-hmm. it was with a band that I that I produced a, a couple years back um, but we're all on like you know a zoom call trying to be like okay well what are we gonna write like how yeah. are we gonna do thing, right but I had a few ideas kicking around already from a few years back so I, I was able to develop those on my own and uh, so I pitched for that and then, uh, learning piano was actually the biggest thing on my list. Oh, wow. I've never always, you know, drumming since I was a kid and, uh, playing guitar and writing songs, using that as my main tool. But piano was always something that I wanted to learn for, I've been telling myself for like the last, honestly, eight to 10 years being like, you got to learn piano. But then things started picking up and getting busier and busier yeah. and busier every year. And then touring and then between touring was you know, uh, studio projects in between that was like, oh yeah, I have a kid. And it's like all these things. So like things just got busier and busier. So that seemed to be, you know, further and further away. All of a sudden this quarantine, you know, isolation happened. First thing that hit me was like, I gotta, I gotta start playing piano. So now yeah. in the time that we have, that's been a main priority for me. And you know, it's been, it's been working out. It's fun. It's yeah. a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to learn. yeah. Yeah. You're picking it up quick. Uh, like, yes and no. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to develop any, uh, bad habits that I can, you know, kind of carry through. So I'm just, I'm going back I'm to, from basics, but I wish I had a piano teacher, but I can't. Yeah, so sure. YouTube, right? YouTube pretty much for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching a lot of videos and it's amazing because so many people say, you know, position your hands like this. And the next video says, no, don't do that. Position your hands like this. So now it's like, okay. So I just talked to, honestly, I talked to a bunch of, a bunch of friends and like fellow musicians that are, that are really good piano players and I kind of look up to in that regard. So yeah. they've been walking me through like live videos on Instagram and stuff like that, what to do. So it's good. Like it's, it's that, it's the whole like, you know, uh, one step forward, a couple back 
couple forward, one back, and it's like this back and forth thing. But um, it's funny. There's um, there's a documentary out that so sleep is actually you're just as productive in your sleep mm-hmm. than you are in the act, like of actually mm-hmm. playing. So you'll play something for hours and you're like, I can't get this part. I can't get this part. As long as you keep doing it and keep playing, you go to bed, your brain is actually doing that times 50. Yeah. So you wake up I, and I found myself, this happened for like the last couple of weeks. I wake up the next morning and it's like, I played the part and it's flawless. It took me five hours the day before to like get it down. And I guess in your sleep, your brain is still playing. You know what I mean? It's still like, it's working out all the kinks. You go to the piano the next morning and it's like, I can play this. Like, this wow. is crazy. Yeah. So that happens, right? It's the same thing with like muscle repair. I mean, I don't work out, but from what I've heard, <laughs> of, it's the same deal, right? You work out for an hour, but then you repair overnight. It's like, uh, you know, apparently it's the same thing with uh, instruments or anything like that, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's been working, but I mean, it's frustrating too because you want to be so much better. And, yeah. Right? It's just not, <laughs> not there yet, but yeah. I know, it's the like small like fundamentals that are hard to get through because you just want to pick it up and play that favorite song but yeah and you're and you're practicing for like a couple hours and you think you, you think you're so good because you've got a couple chords for you now and then you go look on online like on instagram and somebody's just absolutely flying through their piano and it's like oh my problem you know? picking up instruments is waiting too long between practicing so i've like picked something up and then by the time i do it again i'm starting right from where i was the first time yeah that's hard that's that's hard that's uh you definitely if you're gonna start something you have to keep it up yeah you have to keep it up for sure yeah i've been so on lesson three of ukulele for the last year <laughs> <laughs> is that hard i've never actually played a ukulele it's not that hard it's just like yeah i'll wait a week and then i forget everything yeah. i learned the week before yeah yeah you got to keep it up for sure priorities yeah. like yeah <laughs> yeah so um, you have success in so many different areas of the music industry, from songwriting to producing to playing instruments yourself. Um, do you feel like there's a common thread to this success, or have you just developed skills in each specific area that make you good at that one thing? Um, to be honest, like the, um, the common thread for me is just honestly to try to be you know, as cheesy as it sounds, the best I can possibly be, you know, at, at that moment in time. So I can say I started off with, uh, with drums and, and there's a bunch of different, uh, from the producer standpoint, there's so many producers that started off as drummers, mm-hmm. right? So for myself, everything kind of is based off of, uh, of, of rhythm. So when I was a kid, I guess when I was two years old, I started picking up the drums. My dad would, my dad's a wicked drummer himself. So he would hold me up at the kid and I would just kind of, you know, whack away at things until things started sounding in time and sounding decent. Mm-hmm. So I, um, so I started off that way, uh, for, for a few years and then, um, that moved to guitar and then, um, I guess things, things happen in life to trigger other things. So, um, I started playing guitar because I played in a band when I was, when I was younger and we would shop our music and a bunch of people were saying like, you know, these songs just aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I always, I've always loved songs since I was a kid. So just like singing songs, singing harmonies to songs. And I was like, you know, five, six years old and trying to write counter melodies and stuff like that. But I never played an instrument to actually start writing a song. So the only reason why I picked it up was we were told you don't have good songs. I'm like, well, I got, maybe I'm going to start writing some songs. 
So from there, I started playing and the same thing like piano, like I play every day, six, eight hours a day. And, you know, so I had all these melodies in my head. It's like, I got to get these out. So the guitar became a vehicle for all these, all these melody ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that, that um, moment in time sort of triggered me to start writing songs. And then uh, from there, I was like, well, how am I going to get these songs recorded? Right. So that triggered the production side of things. It's like, okay, well, I just got to go buy Pro Tools and do all this stuff. And then I realized that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Having yeah. a good song and bringing a song to life. Well, I thought it was a good song, but to be honest, our first hundred songs are like the worst <laughs> things ever. But assuming you think it's a good song, it's like, now how do you bring that to life? Now there's all these production, you know, tricks that you, you got to do to sort of get it there. And that took time and that takes years to do. And then, um, but everything I do now in production, it goes back to when I was a kid. It, it stems from rhythm and syncopation and the groove of a song. And then, so that's, that's essentially what makes people unique in this business. Mm -hmm. Sort of like your roots. What tells you to do something 20 years down the road or 30 years down the road? Mm -hmm. And that's just history and like experience. Like that's all that is, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've been lucky enough to have a, an incredible mentor in my life. His name is uh, Arnold Lanny. He, mm -hmm. he produced some of my favorite records. Um, my three favorite bands when I was growing up was Incubus, Our Lady Peace, and Finger Eleven. He produced two of those, which is Our Lady Peace and Finger Eleven. And uh, I got to move down to California with him for five years to sort of learn all his tricks and songwrite with him for a number of years, which was like, for me, it was like mind blowing at the time that I'm even in the same room with this guy that he was like, I idolized, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, so now when I'm in, you know, my zone now, it's, I kind of do like the, what would Arnold do? And mm -hmm. I go back to that. And, and so you draw from, you just draw from certain things in your life. And that's going back to your point. It's like learning this, learning that you, you sort of put them all in, all in one. And that makes me who I am, whether it's, you know, whether it's bad, good, great, we don't know. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I can only be like, uh, I guess, uh, you know, as good as I can right now, a snapshot in time. And for me, I just got to, you know, I, I, my, my main thing is, was I better than I am yesterday? Like that's, that's kind of how I, I go through each day. And if I don't improve, then something's wrong. I have to, you know, I have to go back drawing board and, and do it all over again. Is there an area that, um, like speaks to you more than another? Uh, melody probably. Yeah, like a uh, top line of a song, like uh, the vocal melody or whether it's a melody on an instrument. That that one s seems to come like the easiest to me anyway. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's all subjective, like whether it's good or bad. <laughs> it, just happens, it just happens to just kind of pop into my head easier, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So how did you end up meeting um, Arnold? Um, so his brother, Rob, uh, who owns coalition music, um, he was a guy that we wanted to shop our music to when we were younger because coalition managed finger 11 and our lady piece. And this is how it's, I sort of, you know, you start doing your research. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we shopped the songs to him and he was actually the guy that said, I don't like these songs, uh. which made me want to learn to play guitar, to write songs. Mm -hmm. So I started writing and, you know, over a few years, I would always send him material and he said, Hey, now you're onto something. These songs are better. I was like, great. Like I had a hand in these. Maybe, 
maybe this is what I should do as well as drumming, right? So that sort of went into this way, right? So, um, and then from there I said, listen, I have to meet your brother. He's one of my idols. Like he's produced some of my favorite records and like arguably wrote those songs on those records. Um, so uh, he gave me his contact. I went down there um, for a week. And from there, um, we spent a week together just kind of songwriting, you know, shooting the shit. And yeah, he showed me some of his productions. I was showing what I was working on. And I was in a band at the time, uh, my own band. Um, and we left. It was my brother and I. My brother was a singer of the band. Uh, we went down there to go do like a three-song demo. Uh, and I, I left after a week, which was the most, you know, it was, it was an incredible week. Uh, I was meeting my idol and getting to like hang out with him and spend a bunch of time with him talking music. He called me and he said, hey, um, you know, I think you're super talented. You remind, you remind me a lot of myself when I was your age. Mm. Uh, would you like to move down here for like the next five years or so? I'd like to mentor you. And I was like, I think it was four days later I, I packed my bag. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I would do the back and forth thing, you know, for visa. Oh. <laughs> I, have one, I have one now, but I don't have one at the time for the first couple of years. Yeah. So I would do like the six months, come back for a couple of days, go back for another six months. And so I did that for five years. And um, yeah, so that's how I met Arnold. And then it came back around when, um, when I spoke to Rob again, he's like, hey, how would you like to, uh, he actually said it, he goes, how do you want to uh, play with Finger 11? What do you think about playing with Finger 11? And I was in a band called The Balconies at the time that I had produced with Arnold in California that I ended up joining for three years because mm. I drummed on the record. So I just toured with them for a few years. So I'm like, oh man, Rob, I'd, I'd love to open up a finger, uh, for Finger 11. One of my favorite bands. He's like, no, 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 I'm in playing the band because you know they got rid of the drummer and can you audition? I was like, yeah, when? Like, well, when are they doing this? He's like, well, they're doing they're holding auditions on like I think it was like next week it was Monday, and so I remember this was on a Wednesday. I said, no, 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 get them in Friday. I'll do Friday. And he's like, you got to learn the songs. I'm like, I've been playing these songs since I was a kid. Yeah. I know every last beat of these songs. So they gave me a list of eight songs. And um, uh, we went to go audition at, the, I went to go audition at Coalition Music over there. And they gave me, you know, the most challenging songs first uh, in a list of eight songs. But after two songs, I remember uh, Scott, the singer, came up to me, shook my hand. He's like, those are the best we've ever heard these songs. Uh, yeah, you're in the band. I was like, this is nuts. I'm like, can we play the other six? Cause like, I'm so pumped right now. <laughs> I was like, can we at least play the rest of the songs? And um, yeah, so since then, that was, that was it. I've just been the drummer ever since. And, uh, and then, you know, going back around again, another full circle with the Finger Eleven camp, now I'm writing their next album with them. Mm -hmm. So, which is something, when I joined the band, that was my main goal. It wasn't, I've always loved drumming. I've always had a passion for drumming. Um, but my main passion is, is writing and producing. It, it oh. turned to that once I started discovering that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, ever since I joined, I was like, I need to, I need to write a record with these guys. Like that would feel, first of all, amazing just being a fan my whole life. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that just could be good for myself personally, like on my own resume, right? So now we're currently making a record together. So yeah. So how did you actually get in contact with Rob in the very beginning? Did you just research? My, my reach out? Yeah, my, that was my brother. My brother was my brother always handled all the. Um, all like the uh, managerial stuff in the band. He he reached out to Rob. You know, he, you see like like anybody. You see an email, and um, 
he, he just reached out and he said, Hey, we play in this band and what do you think of these songs? Mm-hmm. And then from there, my brother and Rob developed a relationship of like that back and forth stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, from there now, Rob, Rob pretty much handles my day to day. Uh, and Rob and I work on a ton of things together now. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah. hearing that because so often artists ask like how to get noticed, how to get themselves out there. Um, and it's like, just go for it, right? Just put yourself yeah. out there because the worst you can hear is no. Um, yeah. But then I also love that when you heard no, that was just fuel to take that and better yourself rather than stopping because you heard no. Exactly. And that's, and that's something, there's things that you could, you know, learn uh, from somebody telling you or from researching. But then there's other things that you don't know until something happens to you. Mm-hmm. what your reaction is and then you can change it from there mm-hmm. yeah if i i tell people now it's like listen you're gonna hear no a million times and it's gonna suck mm-hmm. when i heard no like that sucked that like took the wind out of myself yeah i didn't even have any writing on the song i was just a drummer in the band i was like 17 years old and i'm thinking like the guy just said no like and i thought it was like the best record in the world and looking back he was not wrong he actually said there wasn't a bar of music in all nine songs that I can sing back. That's how honest he was. He's a very <laughs> honest guy. One of the sweetest guys I know. Very honest. I respect it now. Um, so that's what he said to me. And I was like, that, and that killed me. I was like, so you can either go, you know, one of two ways. It's either like, oh, well, I guess that's it. Like, maybe I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. Like, maybe I'm just, that's it. I'm never going to have it. Or... I got to do something about it. I got to, I know I'm, I'm able to offer more than what he just heard. That's mm-hmm. it. Play guitar, write a bunch of songs, get these melodies out. And the first batch of songs that he heard, because we got rid of that guitar player, I ended up writing a bunch of the songs with my brother. Those songs that he heard, he's like, this is way better. Like this is a totally different band. I was like, okay. I knew right there. It's like, you know what? These probably aren't great or even very good, but they're better. So at least that made me go, here I can do this mm-hmm. and then you just you know then you just like hit the ground running because you got a little bit of that validation right but over the course of time I've heard no like way too it's so funny now when I hear no I, for whatever reason I enjoy it more like I, I just enjoy it when people say like yeah that's cool I hate that <laughs> because yeah that's cool is like like yeah that like cool song awesome song it's like well, what else Tell me what maybe could be better. Like, what, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather hear no, and then I can ask why. Yeah. And then it's up to me whether I want to listen to it or not. Mm-hmm. But if 10 people say the same thing, they all can't be wrong. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, we've heard the stories of Madonna getting turned down like 11 times. Mm-hmm. Or uh, RSO Records turning down U2 saying, yeah, these songs are just not, not doing it for us. And like where Streets Have No Name was on there, like all their massive songs were on a demo that they sent to RSO Records and they turned down that demo. So this is going to happen. You know, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea and timing's a huge thing too. People need to know that in this business. It's timing. Mm -hmm. You can send a song on a Monday or on a Friday. That person, remember, that person also has a life. They're not robots. Mm -hmm. They have a life. They might have come from the worst meeting of their life on Monday morning and you sent them a song on Monday afternoon, they listened to it heavily influenced. Yeah. It's and a lot of people forget that. I know that now because when people send me songs, 
I know now I don't know. I don't listen to it after 10 years, 10 hours of, you know, me being in the studio because I don't have fresh ears. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to them. I'll wait till I'm feeling good in the morning, fresh ears. That's when I'm going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. But that's some of these guys are so busy that, that you're sending your music to these guys. It might be at the worst time. Like they may have just lost a huge deal on a band or something like that. And you just sent them their music and they're just angry. Yeah. Not for me. Sorry. See you later. But yeah. turning back that artist could take that like, Oh my God, like here I am. I've been working on this thing for like six months. I think it's actually really good. Who cares? Don't worry about it. Go to the next guy. Mm -hmm. Go to the next guy. It's when you start seeing the same response from a lot of people, that's when you can start, you know, that acts as your mirror. Yeah. That's when you can start being like, okay, I got to start, you know, I got to start taking this advice. Mm -hmm. If everybody's saying, Hey, your courses need to be stronger. Yeah. And there's like 10, 15 people telling you that chances are your courses need to be stronger. Mm -hmm. But if it's one person, don't really don't let that bother you because there's going to be somebody else that likes it. So it just, it's just kind of, it's out of sight, out of mind too in this business. What do you say to the artist that wants to take that advice and tweak things? Um, but doesn't want to sell out, wants to keep their identity, wants to keep their... Yeah, that's, that's more important than anything. Uh, when you're doing something, you can do something still with like, uh, like some integrity. Like mm -hmm. you can, if somebody says, hey, you need, like, you need, so say, use that example, you need better courses. Mm -hmm. No one said they got to be like, well, okay, I'm going to rip off that course because that's a good, that, that's a hit song. Mm -hmm. It just means you just you need stronger melody in your courses. You probably need a better arrangement of your chords in your courses. You need it to pop more. You need all the. You can make these changes without, like, with still staying true to yourself because everybody still has a ten times better version of themselves, mm -hmm. right? So it's just it's sort of just chasing that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a way better songwriter producer than I was six months ago. Yeah. And but I know that I'm still twenty percent of where I actually want to end up. And then when you get there, you're going to look back and say, shit, I'm still like halfway to where I want to go. Mm -hmm. If you don't think that, that's, that's when you fall fast. That's when you fall fast for sure. How do you balance that where you know that you, you know, need to be better, could be better. How do you balance that need for perfection and actually releasing new content? Um, that's actually, a, that's a good question because myself and a lot of other producers there's a whole thing of like knowing when to let go and when to stop right you obsess over things that don't actually matter like so you gotta you say you're working on a part and you're like i know this i know this can be way better than this and you keep going at it and you keep going at it and so there's that whole level of like now my confidence has dropped because i'm not achieving what's in my head mm -hmm. or what i think i can do a year from now, I could probably do a better job of this a year from now. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of deflating, right? But at the same time, uh, you have to learn how to let go of a lot of uh, things just just outside your brain. Because if, if you if you let a lot of things influence you in the process, A, it won't get done. Mm -hmm. And B, uh, you'll hear it. People, I used to think listeners are, you know, it's everybody's like, oh, the listener doesn't know what the hell they're, what they're talking about. They do. They know more than we do, to be honest, because they know how to listen to music. We don't. We analyze, we overanalyze, and they listen to it for the right reasons. They listen to it to like um, uh, get over a breakup. They listen to it 
to, you know, to feel good. They listen to it to um, sort of uh, for their workout, to, like for hype, for anything like that. Yeah. When we listen to it, it's like, oh, that's that, that snare out of phase. <laughs> that, uh, you know, and, and that's like, you know, like, so when we're in the production, when we're doing the production, we, we have to throw those things out. Because there's things where in the last year or so I've started um, watching other people listen to my stuff or listen to anything, any, anybody's music. And some parts that I remember taking like hours on to be like, what, what sound should I use here? Like, or what, if I went to this inversion of this chord, would it be better here? And it's, you go back and forth and you're listening and you're watching somebody listen and they're listening and they'll tell you how much they like the song over the part that you spent hours on. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even about, it's not about that at all. Like there's one, say one chord change that they'll tell you like, oh my God, this song's awesome. And they just missed it. They just missed <laughs> what took me from like noon to 7 p.m. Yeah. They talked over it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's not about that. It's just a feeling. Get it out, put it down and print it next song. Yeah. If you spend too much time on something, um, it, it starts like, it's like the law of diminishing returns. It's <laughs> people hear that. I can and it's frustrating for us because we can't get it. <laughs> we want to finish it every day. We're like, today I am finishing that track. I'm finishing it. Doesn't I know get- I'm guilty of being that person. I can like think back now to a musician showing me their work and me talking and then being like, but you're not listening, but you just missed it. It's like, yeah, I know. Oh. But you're but you're not supposed to like you're you're supposed to listen to music how you listen to music. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing as like when you're listening to music in a car and then somebody rolls down the window and they want to talk to you. It's like you tell them, hold on, there's a part in this song I have to finish. People like, like no, that's the way we listen to music. Mm-hmm. It's just there. It's just it's just supposed to give you a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. And it usually happens within the first 30 seconds of the song, sometimes the first 15 seconds of the song. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you don't have a good foundation there then chances are that chord change that you did at the two minute 21 mark won't matter <laughs> it won't matter you know if your lyrics are shitty off the top who cares what how cool your bridge is yeah you didn't you didn't you didn't connect with that person that song's done right and it might not work for one person but the next person it might change their life mm-hmm. so you know you know uh, live too because when you have bands playing live and often you'll mess up on stage but people most of the time don't even notice. They're just enjoying the music and enjoying the yeah. energy and the vibe. Yeah. yeah, and I and I'm I you know, when I go watch concerts, I hear every little flub there is and it's like it's stupid, like cause who gives a shit? Like we're all we all do that live, right? Mm-hmm. Um but every time it happens, I I first thing I do is look around and people are just rocking out. It's like, who cares that chord was completely wrong? Mm-hmm. Who cares? And people, because they don't, because they're not there for that. Yeah. Like they're not there to see how many times the singer forgot a lyric. Yeah. They don't, like they don't buy the ticket for that. Mm-hmm. They buy for the overall experience. And even if they do hear it, it won't set the, like it, it really won't. Like they don't, yeah. they're, they're not, A, their ears aren't tuned that way because they're the true listener. We're not. Mm-hmm. Once we're in it, we are, we're inside of it. That's it. The hardest thing for us to do is be subjective to our own music. Mm. So we can only think what they want to hear. We can only hope they're going to like it. Mm-hmm. We don't know for sure. We can do what we can. We put it out and that's it. After it's out, we don't know. <laughs> right? And even if they do like it, we don't even know which part they liked. Yeah. 
we don't know, right? And that's where there's sort of two angles to this. There's so many people that I chase. In the last few years, like you, you, you've heard, like, listening to music, everybody's chasing the same song. Everybody's music sounding the exact same. Every producer is buying the same sounds from the same sample packs. Yeah. And using them. It's like, oh, we, we need a pitched vocal hook here in the first 10 seconds of the song. Now everybody does it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then you look back at your favorite producers, like, no, they, they did their own thing. They have their own sound and it can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. Like, it can't, right? Like, look, take, take, um, take Phineas, for example, and like Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. When Bad Guy came out, why do you think that, like, that exploded? Because it sounds nothing like anything else. Yeah. Remember, remember Gotate, somebody that I used to know? Mm-hmm. That song when it came out? The second I heard that song, I said, this song is going to be an absolute smash. Mm-hmm. The song is incredible in itself, but it's the production. Not one sound on that entire record was a sound that you can buy. He made every one of them and sampled it. So he went around his house and like hit things and pitched mm-hmm. it. And every, every single sound on that record wasn't from an, you know, your everyday instrument. Mm-hmm. That's why that song did that. If you listen back to it, it's like, it's, it's the cool, and it's no song sounds like it. So it was yeah. the only song that sounded like it at the time. And still no song has sounded like it. Mm-hmm. Right. I so I find when a song comes out, that's like a huge hit. Then you'll hear like 20 versions where you wonder if they just, change a few that's what they do. They change, yeah. you know, they change chord and then they, they sort of like, they, you know, they, they use like similar sounds, not all the way there, but they go like 90% there. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that is because, uh, it's half of the artist wanting to do that. The other half is the label telling the artist to do that. Yeah. You know, they're saying, um, uh, Calvin Harris has put out a song with Rihanna that sounds like this. Mm-hmm. We need, you know, they'll tell the A&R guy saying, we need one of, one of ours to have a song that sounds like this. Mm-hmm. But people like it. Of course, because yeah. again, the listener, they just want to, they just want to feel good when they're listening to it. Mm-hmm. That's all they want. And you can tell, you, I use my, my, my wife is the best gauge for me because she's the everyday music lover like she's she's not in the business she doesn't know what the hell i do and she just hears the end result and says like "Eh," or wow that's amazing yeah right so and i can i'll play her a demo and i'll play her the final product and she'll be like oh this one's louder it's like no no no. there's so many things that are different in these you know one of them is a demo yeah and the next one is like there's real drums on this one instead of program drums there's like real vocals on this one and like all everything got retracted, but they hear the song for the song. Yep. Not for the little production elements mm-hmm. that stuff, all the, all the ear candy and the, and the production elements that all those little tricks that's sort of to satisfy the listener after like their 20th time hearing it. Mm. They can be like, Oh cool. Like that, that little sound popped in. I never even heard that or that, you know, that, that little, um, uh, delay thing on the vocal like that thing is so cool like I never even heard that for my first listen I still go back and listen to my favorite records hearing new things mm-hmm. like 15 years ago it's like holy shit I didn't even know that that baseline was there because there's so many because the song wins mm-hmm. no. so you already fell in love with the song and then you fall in love with the record and then you fall in love with what he's what he or she is saying on the record mm-hmm. the guitar tone the the drums 
And then it's after a while, it's those little, you know, production tricks that, that uh, keep you sort of engaged or, or you want to you go back and listen. Mm-hmm. That's what that's there for. But that's really just, I mean, you can put that stuff there on, a, on, a, on an average song. It's going to be an average song. It's not going to make it that much better, really. So, Do you find often on the flip side, something that's not like produced and mastered and um, mixed properly, like someone can hear the song and be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They can be like, and because not know, they don't know why they don't like it. That's exactly. They don't know why. Mm-hmm. They have it. They just compare it to the last thing they heard. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they heard, um, uh, let's say a Coldplay record, and then you give them a song that, you know, say sounds like a Coldplay song, but it's not, you know, it's a demo form of it. It's not mixed. It's not mastered. Chances are it sounds a probably lower in volume. B it's a little more dull. The vocals aren't popping out. So there's a bunch of things and they don't know why. That's why it is important to, you know, have a good mix, have a good master and have the right production. Mm-hmm. You have to have those things. But before that, people get confused. You still need a great song. Yeah. Before you press record, before any engineer or producer should press record, it better be a good song. Because if it isn't, go back to the drawing board. Make that right. Mm-hmm. Then, and usually the better the song, the easier it is to produce. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it sort of just produces itself. It's just you going to find this, the sounds in your head because you've already mapped it out. Mm-hmm. The better the song. When the song's not so great, now you've got to find ways to sort of make it good mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so if a melody is not that good it's like that's why you hear so many songs like so busy like the production it's like there's so many things going on it's really to keep you engaged because maybe it's not that strong to begin with mm. some of the best songs are just like like say green day time of your life yeah that song has absolutely has nothing it has an acoustic guitar some cellos and a vocal mm-hmm. no harmonies no nothing and it's one of their biggest songs i think it is their biggest song mm. so what do you look for in bands that you want to produce? Um, first and foremost, uh, attitude in a band, right? Um, where do they want to go, like their goals? Because believe it or not, there's you know bands that I've, I've talked to before uh, in the past that are just kind of like, yeah, you know, like, you, you can you can tell when a band knows what's ahead of them and thinks they know what's ahead of them. And a lot of them is like, yeah, no, I can, I want to do this. And it's like, you can see through it. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you know what that means. I want to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. But the band that you could tell has a good grasp on, uh, sort of what it takes, uh, to get, you know, to, to wherever it is they want to get to. Mm-hmm. I look for that first, uh, obviously talent first, like, you know, they have to know how to play their instruments and they have to have at least good ideas for song. They don't yeah. need to have, with, with myself being a songwriter, they don't need to have full, complete songs. They need to have good ideas for songs. We can make those into great songs and then, you know, take it from there. But when that's done, I'm out of the picture now. Mm-hmm. My work is done. I have to hope now that they take these things and they get their artwork done. They get their video done. Especially nowadays, it's not like uh, the old days when the label does everything for you so you can have a lazy ass band mm-hmm. but your A&R guys on top of everything and it's like okay we got a photo shoot this day music video here this is when your tour starts hop in the van and go now it's like the band is booking their own shows designing their own merch uh with the website designer they're doing everything mm-hmm. so I need to see that because if we have a great song but the band doesn't want to do anything with it nobody wins mm-hmm. right so um but that's 
that's something I look for for sure, especially nowadays because bands have to do all that stuff themselves. Mm-hmm. So I guess like the business sense in a band for sure. Yeah. I get asked um, as a curator and a gallery owner all the time, you know, um, do artists need a gallery representation? Do they need an agent? Like in terms of the music industry, do you think bands need to be signing with labels? Should they take it as far as they can on their own first? Like how does that? I, I think taking it as far as, uh, as they can on their own only because they gain a, a, a knowledge of what's out there and who's out there and who's potentially going to be in their pockets later. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, there's a domino effect in this business. You need one person to be on your side. And then all of a sudden that turns into two, three, four. So, um, a band, if they have a great manager on their side that a lot of people, you know, have a lot of respect for the manager, chances are they know a bunch of booking agents who can get them, um, you know, shows and tours. And then from there, if you got a bunch of good songs and you're, you're on tour now, all of a sudden labels come knocking and saying, Hey, like, how do I get involved with this? Mm -hmm. Right. Or it's the other way around. A label might sign a band, and from there, a booking agent's going to be like, well, I know there's obviously label support, uh, and they're going to put money into this record, which means they're probably going to have a good product. Sure, let's do a showcase so I can hopefully put you guys on tour. So you need one person to sort of be on your team mm-hmm. that can champion the record, champion what you guys believe in, and take it from there. But most bands I work with um, are doing a lot of it on their own, and I've found success on their own. And kind of want to keep it that way, mm-hmm. right? They, labels are there for, uh, first and foremost, like, you know, it's a record label. So they're, they're, they're going to fund your record. Mm-hmm. If you can fund the record on your own, you own it. You own your, you know, you own your masters. Now from them, for them to come in, assuming it's a really good record, for them to come in, they didn't fund that record. So now they're going to take a little less of the overall because you've already done that work. You've developed that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, it's just good to know bands to do things on their own, develop their own contacts because you gain so much knowledge that way. You get to know the, the players in the business that way. Mm-hmm. I think you're a really great example too of, um, just like whatever point you're at actually just not being afraid to reach out to people and make those contacts. Yeah. Um, Cause you never know, like <laughs> Rob was someone your brother reached out to years ago, said no. Um, at that point you, you're like fanning on finger 11. Now you're in the band like years later from just yeah. out, talking to people not taking no for an answer. Yeah. And um, like I said, you can either go one of two ways, right? If I, from that day, if I would have, if I would have said, oh, Rob, like, what an ass. Like, I, I can't believe you said that. Like, screw that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Everybody, everybody, it's always way easier to point the finger. It's, it's, it's two seconds. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're wrong. I'm going to carry on with what I'm doing. And uh, so if I would have said that, I, there's no way I'd, I would be doing what I'm doing if I, if I didn't keep that relationship with Rob. Because mm-hmm. over the years, Rob's, Rob's given me a lot of, uh, uh, not not only advice uh, on the business side, but a lot of uh, contacts and a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. Including joining a band like Finger Eleven. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I guess uh, one of the bigger pieces of advice that I, I can offer in that is when you do land on something that you've sort of 
you know, hoped you'd get, whether it took you 10 minutes or it took you 10 years, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Like you always sort of want more like, so, you know, when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, I dreamed to play in a, a you know, famous rock band. And all of a sudden you play in a famous rock band and then you're like, okay, now I got to write on the record. Mm-hmm. Right. So the novelty wears off very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always want to chase the next thing. So if you, if you sort of, um, if you hang on to it for too long, then you're just going to stay right where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you know, just cause you, you, you made one contact with this manager or this agent doesn't mean you can't go out there and get a hundred more. Mm-hmm. It's like over the, and it takes years. If somebody told me at when I when did I join a band, 15, 16 was drumming for a band. If somebody told me it'll take you 15 years to finally be in a band of, you know, notoriety. And it's like, that's when people are going to know your name in 15 years. I'd be like, no way. Like there's, <laughs> that's nuts. like, that's nuts. I, th- I, you know, I think I have it now, mm-hmm. right? Which I obviously I didn't, but, um, <laughs> so if somebody told me that, thank God they didn't because who knows what my reaction would be. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, you just keep your head down. Like that's why horses wear blinders. I don't look at the next person. I don't yeah. care that that person had a hit song at 22. Mm-hmm. I don't care that that person's playing in a famous rock band at 25 or they're playing in front of 20,000 people at the age of 18. Who cares, right? That person's career could end at 23. Yeah. I, I don't even look at it. Run your own race. And, um, and I guess that's what I did. I just kind of kept my head down. I heard a, a lot of no, 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 no. A couple of yeses. No, 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 no. And then I learned to be like, okay, how do I, instead of like letting it ruin my day from a person I don't know, how do I turn that no into a yes? Like, how do I, how do I make that happen? Maybe ask them, why is it a no? Yeah. And then almost they'll tell you like, well, you know what? I don't, I don't think it's strong enough. I don't think you, you need more of this, you need more of that. It's like, then you hear from that person, that person. Now you start adopting that and you start, and you start doing what these people are saying and not, not for them, for me. Mm-hmm. And that's how you build yourself up. Uh, and then you find yourself, you know, 15 years down the road and, um, you have all these contacts and, you know, a lot of respect from a lot of people. And I have a ton of respect for a lot of people in this business. And, um, yeah. And then it's, it's, it's amazing how many people you can meet if you just actually, you know, reach out. Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times it doesn't work. There's still times now that you'll reach out to people and like nothing, no response. Yeah. And even when they'll say, here's my email. Mm -hmm. Like I said, nobody can take things personally, especially in this business. Mm -hmm. For all I know, it's in junk mail. (laughs) Yeah. Or for, you know, for all I know, it's like, yeah, he put on a good face there, but he actually can't stand me. I, 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 I don't care. I send an email and I forget about it. Yeah. I finish a song. I forget about it. I don't listen to it. It's gone. It's an old song. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the manager messaged me, uh, was it a couple, a couple weeks ago saying, Hey, the song you wrote with so-and-so, uh, six months ago is going to be her, her single off her next uh, thing. It's like, Oh yeah. Like what song? And they're like this one. I'm like, Oh yeah. Totally forgot about that song. Oh wow. Where years ago it'd be like, I have this one song and this one song is going to be the biggest thing in the world. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, don't get too attached to your own shit. Seriously. Yeah. Do not get too attached because some like somebody somewhere 
wrote a way better song than you did in half the time and it's going to have double the success. Mm -hmm. So don't get attached to your shit. <laughs> do it, move on, make the next project better than your last project and just keep going that way. Yeah. And if you do that way, eventually you're going to end up somewhere where you're happy with, right? Mm -hmm. So. Do you find the process of writing for yourself versus artists that you're working with and producing different? Yeah, big time. I, I, um, I don't really write songs. I used to write songs for uh, myself, with myself just kind of singing on, just so I can have you know songs in my own catalog, I guess, like to show publishers and stuff. But uh, now it's usually writing for, um, for other artists mm -hmm. and with other artists, right? So, uh, but it's, I, I find that that's the fun part where I'll take a band and there'll be kind of an experimental sort of, you know, band. And then the next day I'll have a session with, you know, as middle of the road pop female artist there is. And I have to now write in that vein. And the next day I'm writing with this, you know, um, uh, kind of a folk artist. And it's like, you gotta, you sort of have to channel, uh, you have to sort of become an extension of them. Mm -hmm. Can't be me, right? Because if I'm going to write a record that I really want to write, let's face it, I'm going to write a nineties rock record. But <laughs> if I want to, if I got to write for them, I have to write for them. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of times I'll do research. So if a manager will, will, will contact me or an A&R guy will contact me and saying, Hey, you're writing with, um, so-and-so in a couple of days. Do you have time? Sure. They'll come in uh, for a session. But before then all I'm doing like, you know, the, for a couple hours before they show up, is listening to everything they've put out. Because mm. I need to know what they talk about. Um, their floor and ceiling of their, of their note choices, mm -hmm. right? So I know when they come in a, into a session, I've already vetted them. I've already been, this is the key they like to sing in. These are the songs they like to sing about. This is the style of song that they like to kind of go for. Now I know, and it's like, this is how we start the session off. Instead mm -hmm. of me finding out, right? So the dating process I get to do on my own. Yeah before they show up and then same as another band. It's like, what kind of bands are you into? Oh, I give me, give me your top three bands. We like this band, this band, this band. Okay. So I know what you guys are going for. Now I have to start writing in that style. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that for me is, is, uh, has developed over the, over the years because before I found myself writing sort of for me in these projects, mm -hmm. putting a lot of myself, what I would do. And that's always going to happen anyway. You know, some of my favorite producers, I know exactly when they produce a project because you can hear them all over it. Yeah. Especially if they're, especially if they're a writer in the project. Um, and that's fine. That's what makes that, you know, producer or writer unique. Mm -hmm. But it's important for me um, just to basically act as another member yeah. that, that can write songs. And I've been doing that, uh, I think, successfully in the last couple of years. And that, that, has helped out big time because I, you know, so at least so the band still sounds like uh, who they are before they came to me. I don't want to change anybody unless they ask for it. Unless they say, hey, we need a complete overhaul. We want to go this way, right? And it's yeah. like, okay, now we start fresh. But if it's a band saying, hey, we have, this is how we sound. We just want, we want to beef up our songs. We want to have a better catalog. Let's do some writing. And then that's all, I'll approach it. Mm-hmm. Um... How, how do you stay in that flow state? Like, how are you able to, when you're working with other artists and you have deadlines and other people's projects on the go, 
You know, yeah. if you're feeling blocked that day or not in a creative headspace, but you have clients that you have to show up for, how do you stay in that flow state? You know what? I don't know, and I've never thought about it, and I think it's because I've never thought about yeah. it. That, that honestly, like, there's there's days where uh, I I tell bands now at the beginning of sessions or artists, and I'll be like, remind me to drink water and to if you need a break or if you need to eat, mm-hmm. because if you leave it up to me, we'll be here till midnight, mm-hmm. and we won't even go outside, and it'll be like noon. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just do it. Like I just, I, I like, I, there's when I wake up in the morning, it's like, I'm determined to do a number of things and I got to get it done by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's days where I forget to drink water. Bands remind me all the time. It's like the, what was the last thing I drink of water? It's like probably yesterday. I'll be honest. And it's like, I just, I'm just doing it, doing it, doing it. Don't take many breaks really. Yeah. I've had bands where we're like full on passed out. <laughs> Like one guy's full on past of like starvation. It's like, uh, what's wrong? It's like, I'm just, just tell me, like literally just tell me, just go out. And yeah. they think I'm running some sort of like boot camp. You're like, no, 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 just, you can, you can leave anytime. Just because I'm not leaving doesn't mean you can't leave. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing worse than being sort of like backed up with work. I think that's, that's probably the thing that keeps me going on it. Mm-hmm. Because when you're backed up, you start, it starts uh, influencing how you work, right? Mm-hmm. If I have if I have three songs to do by the end of the day and I have to get them done, I kind of slacked for like the last few days. Chances are they're not going to be as good as they were if I actually spent four solid days on them. And I think that's what makes me productive in that way. Right. Some little told me that you are the most productive person they've ever worked with. Do you burn out? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, there's, I mean, when I wasn't married and, uh, and didn't have a kid, I would do this from, you know, nine in the morning till three o'clock in the morning and just kind of keep doing it. Like that's how I sort of like developed my chops, whether it was with drumming or, or playing guitar or, or, or producing and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I, I have a kid and there's still probably there's I still go home sometimes at midnight or one o'clock in the morning if a, if a band or an artist stays that late but I go home because you know hey I should go home now like you know what I mean not because I'm I'm burnt out I'll go home because I know I have to be back here again I'm I'm here every day at 8 a.m and yeah. I'll go home at sometimes midnight because again I should go home to my family <laughs> but other than that I'm but other than that it's not because I'm burnt out what do you say? because I'm relatively young what's that <laughs> What do you say to the artists who have tons of ideas and passion and, and yet they say, well, I can't find the time I have to work or I have family or I have these other commitments and I just can't find the time, but yet are, you know, needing it in their life. So listen, there's, there's, and there's people who I've called out on this and there's people, if you have to work first and foremost, you got to pay bills, you got to put food on the table that's fine. Like mm-hmm. you got to work that that's, that's a lot of us. Right. So, uh, school is another thing. If you're going to school and you're trying to get a degree, it's like, that's fine. But I mean, it, the worst is when you hear, yeah, I, I just watched like the entire series of like Ozark last night. <laughs> like, okay. Remember what, remember that time when I said, do you have lyrics for that song? 
And then remember that time five seconds ago when you just said you watched the entire season of Ozark? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's when it bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, that bothers me. If you have things that are, you know, important, like work, school, your family, I get it. Like, I, I get it. Um, that stuff comes first. But you can't tell me in the same breath that, like, you really want this so bad and then you just said that you went, you know, I went to this concert last night. I went here, I went there. I played video games. You, you just told me you don't want it by telling me all those things, right? Um, like, there's, don't get me wrong, like, I, I would always love playing uh, PlayStation. I think the last one I bought was, like, the original PlayStation. <laughs> that, that's the last console I own, and I loved it, playing a bunch of sports games. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't played a game since. Mm-hmm. As much as I want to, I can't. I got I to gotta do this. If I want to get better at this, the... You know, three hours I spent doing that, I could have probably either wrote something better, uh, played piano, learned a new chord on piano. Like that to me is more exciting, at least at this stage of my life. It's more exciting to me. Mm-hmm. So. What was it like writing? Um, I, think, I think you actually wrote it for your wife. Um, yeah. We on the Night? Yes. I love yeah. that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Did okay, you so it? that. <laughs> What's that? Writing? I wrote it. Yeah. So I wrote it and sang it as well. I did. Um, so I came up with this bright idea of like, uh, you know, it's the same day edit that they do these, these videographers. I don't know how they do it. It's literally magic. They take all your footage from the day and somehow at night they compile this incredible video of all this footage. And it's like, how did you do that? Like, <laughs> it, it, like that just happened five hours ago. You know what I mean? So it's the same day edit and there's a song that's that's playing in the background and we were trying to figure out a song uh to do and i was like why don't i just write a song for it my wife's like you would do that i was like yeah sure i got some time i'll write a song for it not knowing that i didn't have any idea like of what song i'm even going to do and the wedding in the wedding was in uh, in a month so um between projects and here and there i gotta you know i still gotta i still gotta work Mm um i had that that guitar riff idea and I was like okay you know what I can go from here and I started doing that and then halfway through that song my wife's like we still haven't figured out a a first dance song and I don't know why I said this I was like I can write that too I'll write a first dance song and she's like you would do that I was like of course so I had to write that too and record it and I had like two weeks left to do that Mm. that song finished getting mixed and mastered uh, at two o'clock in the morning, right before my wedding. <laughs> and then I tell that story to Arnold, who also wrote his first dance song, which became a massive hit. Um, and he said, he goes, Steve, he goes, I, I beat you to it. He goes, five o'clock in the morning is when I finished that song. I was like, oh my God. He's like, five o'clock in the morning. He's like, but you mixed and mastered. He's like, I was still cutting vocals at five o'clock in the morning for that song the <sighs> day before my wedding. So, yeah, uh, that was a, I mean, that was fun. There's, there's a certain pressure that comes with it because, you know, I'm writing it with a deadline. Yeah. Can't really push that deadline. Um, but the other thing was, it's not for the commercial use, even though a bunch of people have been wanting me to, you know, do that or put it out or, or shop it to a publisher and get somebody to re- re-sing it. Mm-hmm. I haven't really put much thought into it. It's like, I just kept it for what it is. Um, 
so it's, it's one thing with the pressure of the deadline, but it was, I wrote it without any, there's no rules, there's no boundaries. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to write whatever song I, I feel like writing because the 400 people in the room are going to hear it and that's pretty much it, right? So, and I say 400 because we're Italian. <laughs> right? Just think of it right now, 400 people in a room. Like, yeah. it's so like, right? It's, it's, uh, that's pretty crazy. I wonder um, what will happen again. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, how do you think, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be like a, so say we get told to be like, hey, everything's opening, right? And it's kind of all over. How do you think this is going to play out? Like, how do you think, do you think everybody's just going to kind of go back and be like, I got to get outside. I got to go watch concerts. I got to go, go to a bar. Or is everything going to kind of be sort of in stages and people are going to be kind of afraid? I don't know. Because like, even myself personally, I feel like there's going to be a second wave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would be... I think maybe when after that, maybe things will go a little more back to normal. But maybe. it's gonna. It might be the year. People right? aren't even gonna have the money to go and spend like they used to. That's true. Yeah, like as much as like you may have saved from not going out, but you also probably lost your job. Yeah. So, I mean, I've canceled every session uh, for for pretty much all of. I guess what would you say March is when it's sort of like. Yeah. We start like staying home March, April. Uh, we're gonna head into May soon, so maybe May, like you know, mm-hmm. three months. Um, and so uh, when I did that that movie pitch, right? That's mm-hmm. that had the deadline was April third for that. Um, again, that was like ten days of ten solid days of writing, recording, mixing, mastering for this movie pitch that may end up absolutely being like it might not get picked. It was a pretty big cattle call, right? It's mm-hmm. a major Hollywood movie, so it's like who knows if they pick it, if they don't pick it, you don't get paid for that. Yeah. So it is what it is like th- that. It was just my time mm-hmm. and that it is what it is. And that's sort of like, but you take those opportunities cause you're like, well, what if, if you know, yeah. if I get it, it's at least I can get paid for it. Right. Um, so again, like we talked about at the beginning, it's the bright side of things. It's like, well, if I can't work, then I'll take on opportunities that maybe yeah. I might get something out of it. Right. And Do if I have- don't, is that, do you have a rule for which opportunities you'll take for free? Like, do you have some kind of criteria of if it's worth it for an artist to do something? Um, I guess it all depends like in a sort of in a, in a contract uh, point of view. So if it's like a, say if it's like a young artist that um, it's, it's, it's like a production agreement. It's like, Hey, I can do this on spec, but if anything happens, then I own a piece. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, if anything happens to this, then I own a piece. Mm-hmm. So eventually that comes back. You have to really believe in it, mm-hmm. you know, for it to come back. But um, I guess like it, it's, it's rare these days because if I'm working now more on label projects, yeah, then they're paying for it, right? They legally have to pay for it because that's how they own the masters or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I deliver their songs and they own the masters and I have a I have a writing uh, portion on it. So um, you advise like emerging musicians to do free shows and just get themselves out there as much as possible, or to limit and sort of put guidelines on the things that they'll do for free or not. Everybody's in their own position. Like um, if uh, if for for bands going out there. Who cares? Like, don't worry about getting paid. Like, yeah. seriously, if you can, if you can survive doing it again, it goes back to what I said. It's like the watching the episodes on Netflix or something like that. It's the same thing here. It's like, you can't say that you want it so bad 
and that, well, you wish you were getting paid 200 bucks on that show, but you just bought like, you know, a PlayStation 4. Like, yeah. you can't tell me that. It's like, well, I, you know, I, but that's fun for me. It's a hobby. It's like, yeah, but you can't, when it's a career like this, mm-hmm. or if you're an athlete or anything like that, or you want to make it in movies, they're not spending time doing that. So for bands that can do it and can survive doing it, mm-hmm. play in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Pay money to, to do sponsored ads on your, on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to pay for your own merch. You have to, you have to pay people to design a website. You have to, you have to, it takes money to make a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would say, yeah, you got, you got to put yourself, you got to put yourself everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's out of sight, out of mind. If you don't like, w- like think of it, what, what you turning down a show may have. So say a show for like, you know, a, a young band would be like a starting out band say like, yeah, you're getting 200 bucks and like a, a case of beer. Mm-hmm. Which is not so um what's what's worth it to you like getting like turning down that show because you're not going to make the 200 bucks or potentially gaining four new fans yeah. four new fans that come see you next show for say 20 bucks a pop that's 80 bucks they buy some merch you're you're right there you just gained four uh, four fans and you're probably at 200 bucks just on one show mm-hmm. if they, they like you they have to like you you have to be very good Mm-hmm. right so assuming you're very good and you put in a great live show and you can attract people you gain four fans four or five fans that pays for that 200 bucks mm-hmm. like that's the way i see it i mean when i went down to california i didn't make a dime i wasn't actually making money i spent five years at arnold's he paid my way like he would uh, he paid my flights because he got something out of it as well. I would help him on his projects in the studio. Mm-hmm. So he would pay for my flights. He'd pay for my, my, my meals and stuff like that, but never actually got paid until say four years down the road when bigger projects came in that he would actually have me on to co-produce something. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, it was just like, I want to learn. I will come down here. I just want to learn. Mm-hmm. Not only did I do that for free, so I worked with one of the best songwriters that you, you actually can't even for mm-hmm. right so i was lucky I, I looked at it that way i was lucky enough to to, to get it for free so i got that then in the meantime a, a band called the balconies uh comes in halfway through and we do a record together and i end up drumming in the record and they say hey you have to come on the road i was like shit i know i'm kind of i have this opportunity with arnold arnold's like it's okay go on the road you know, three months at a time, and then you come back here, go on the road and come back here. I took the first tour in Europe. Uh, I was five weeks, I want to say, uh, for zero dollars. Mm-hmm. No money. I went for nothing. Again, same deal. They paid my way. Mm-hmm. They paid, I had my per diems, mm-hmm. and I made zero dollars. Doing it because of one day I knew that's going to turn into something. Mm-hmm. As long as you're just confident that you have to, you have to be smart though. You have to know, you have to get better though at your craft. So one day you can make money. You yeah. can't keep writing that out because you'll keep working for free and then nobody's going to want to work with you because you're not that good. So mm-hmm. you have to be smart about it. Yes, I'm working for free, but am I getting better? Yeah. So I work for free with two different people. And then eventually I got paid a little bit with the balconies. Like it was like, I think it was, 
literally getting paid like 300 bucks a week, mm-hmm. 200 bucks. So sometimes with 250 a week or something, I'm like, whatever, I get to go see Europe. I've never been to Iceland. I've never been to Paris. I've never been to Italy. Yeah. And I yeah. got to see all these places. But six years later, playing with, after, um, sorry, three years later, playing with the balconies, Finger Eleven wants to see me play live, a live show. They're like, you know, I got it. So before I got the audition, they had to see me play. And I was playing that night when I was talking to Rob, like, go check this guy out. They come to Mod Club. I'm playing with the balconies. They see me play. They tell Rob, let's get this guy in the studio. We got to audition. Mm. So if I don't take that three years for nothing, playing for absolutely nothing with the balconies, I don't, maybe don't have that Finger Eleven game. Yeah. Maybe I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Right? The balconies was a Rob Lanny managed band. Mm. So that's how that works. Mm-hmm. I do, I, I drum in a band for $0 that Arnold produced that Rob Lanny managed. Rob Lanny comes to see a bunch of my shows and says, holy shit, like you're killing it on drums. That's what prompted him to say, you should play for Finger Eleven. Mm-hmm. If I don't do those, that, you know, three years with the balconies making nothing, I, I'm probably not in Finger Eleven. Mm-hmm. Plus it's your work ethic over the years and him getting to see your persistence and like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's him getting to see, Hey Steve, sorry, buddy. Like, like, cause they used to be a three piece. Mm. We turned them into a four piece. They had a drummer. Their drummer turned to a guitar player. Mm. I ended up drumming for them. Mm. So they had their tour budget already lined. All of a sudden halfway through the record, we turned them into a four piece. Mm. So, you know, Rob tells me, Hey, we had this tour budget. We didn't budget for another person. <sighs> And that's me saying, don't worry, I got you. I'll do it for nothing. So when you do that, you're in somebody's good books. There's a reason why Rob and I talk every day today. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why Rob, any project that comes through coalition, he goes, you're going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I find working for free, as long as you know you're getting something out of it, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's fine. You can work for free. You can find time in your life to work for free. And when I mean work for free, it means you could have another side job, like yeah. a side hustle that's making you a bit of money. But in your main thing, you sh- every, I feel like everybody should work for free. Hmm. Everybody should work for free because you'll find out how bad you want it. Yeah. Because if you're getting paid for it, you're like, oh, I'm getting paid. Paying yeah. the bills. You might not be fully passionate about it, but you're making money. So you just kind of, that's why people will stay in their jobs for 20 years that they hate. That's true. Right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, making money i'm getting a paycheck mm-hmm. could be worse sure for me i found out over a bunch of years how bad i actually wanted this because i'm like wow i'm i'm down in california i'm working for nothing it's been three and a half years now still have not made any money and listen you have your dark days too you have your everybody has them. i had a bunch of them it was kind of like what, what am i doing mm-hmm. like what am i doing like i'm 28 I'm, I'm, I'm in California. I'm by myself. I'm with this guy. Yeah, he's my idol. Again, novelty wears off fast. I'm like, I'm with this guy. He's got a bunch of hit records. I got to get on with my life. I got to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like that other voice comes in saying, don't worry, you're doing the right thing. Trust me. Just keep getting better. Keep listening to this guy. Keep developing your craft every single day. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then you keep going. And then I found out that working for free for like five years told me how bad I actually wanted this. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden you started making money at it and then you don't even care about the money. Yeah. Like that's not satisfying mm-hmm. because working on a great project and seeing, seeing someone 
an artist, whether it's a singer, whether it's a drummer, whether it's a bass player, whether it's a guitar player, seeing their progression over that time period that you had them for. So if you see a singer in January, all of a sudden by June, they're like a completely different singer, mm -hmm. all because you were at the helm of their project and you made that, that is worth, to me, that is worth way more than any money, anybody money somebody can throw at you. Mm -hmm. And if you have that mentality throughout your career, the money comes. Yeah. Like the money, the money comes because you're all of a sudden a guy that wants to outwork everybody else mm -hmm. that you're better than the next person because you've spent your whole life trying to get better because mm -hmm. you worked at it for free. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a, not everybody gets the opportunity to even be in a position to work for free. Like I say, a guy like Arnold, like it's not every day somebody gets to actually go live with their idol. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but maybe a lot of people in that, in that position would have been like, Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know if I could just move somewhere and for nothing, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, that's at a time when all my buddies were, were, they're all going out, they're all vacationing. They're all, you know, going, and I'm just, sorry guys. Like I'm, I've successfully got myself kicked out of group chats with my buddies. Cause they just assume my answer is like, I'm not. Yeah. I have, I'm not in any group chats. Mm -hmm. Like it's over the years, it was kind of like, but they know, and they, I have incredible friends that they know. I know you're not coming out, but I know it's because you don't want, it's not because you don't want to hang out with us. It's because you're probably busy working yeah. or spending time with your family when you're not working. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Right. I can sell, I can, I can enjoy life. I enjoy life now, but I mean, I can, I can relax when I'm, when I'm older right now. I can, I, I'm, I'm, I still find energy to do it. And I still, um, I don't really burn out as, as, as fast. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to ride that wave really until that day that hits me being like, okay, sleep, go home. And when work is your art and is passion, like it's not something that. No, I, I like I work 12, probably, probably anywhere between 10 to 14 hours a day, mm -hmm. almost every day. And it, 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 it goes by. Like, I don't feel like I don't, I, I not one day actually feels like, like work to me. So how um how do you think working with arnold and having that membership not, sorry mentorship um yeah. like formed the artist that you are today uh probably i have to say um like the overall fo uh, the overall focus mm -hmm. um i work with producers like, like on total like opposite ends of the spectrum some producers are there just to like take your money mm. and be like yeah sounds great and they take a lot of money mm. and i spent a lot of money when i was when i was younger in bands kind of being like give it to this producer because he's got his name on this and then you realize it was this team that actually did that mm. uh, so you you see that and then you go down there and work with arnold and he's literally sitting there like at your hi-hat kind of like yeah uh no two shots in the hi-hat Okay, go like that. He goes, now think, think in the verses, uh, think tool in the verses, but in, at the ends, like in the fills, think like Soundgarden. And then you're like, okay, so I'm going to, you know, think of like Danny Carey. And, and then you start doing that. And he's like, okay, right there, move that, that snare. Yeah, put that there, replace that with a kick. And then first you think this guy's nuts. <laughs> the first week I spent with this guy, he, I thought this guy was absolutely insane. How he carries himself. Then I realized he, he's, he's a genius and so that one kick that he moved there 
changed or, or made that baseline that he that he'd been wanting this whole time to fit perfectly with that with that vocal melody with this and you see it all come together and you're like holy shit like i just saw i just witnessed from one bass drum to the end of this song and everything sort of happened for a reason mm -hmm. and he taught me that he's like listen uh among other things he taught me but he taught me he's like in a movie we have there's two say two hours in a movie right how many times have we watched a movie where the middle 20 was like very slow but we still gave it five out of five We're like an incredible movie probably could have done with all 20 minutes in the middle a little bit slow but two thumbs up i recommend it one of the best movies i've ever seen mm -hmm. in a song in three and a half minutes we can't say Minute and a half was a little bit shitty in the middle, but other than that, it's an incredible song. That's <laughs> half the song. Like, there's no time for a bad part in a song. You only have a small window to, to you know, to satisfy somebody. Mm -hmm. So it, that's the thing that he taught me was focus in a song. Make sure everything is there for a reason. Every little thing you do, there's a, there has to be a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Don't just do it to do it because... You do one thing, another thing, another thing, you kind of let go of like 20 things in your song, you have a mediocre song within. Mm -hmm. So make sure everything's um, sort of there for a reason. The biggest thing he taught me, I would say, that, that, I, that I took away from everything was there's no, what do you say? There's no, uh, uh, there's no good time for a bad song and there's no bad time for a good song. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my motto. Every time, I, every time I tackle a project, <laughs> I always think about that and it's like, shit, that is, I'm truer words I've never been spoken. It's amazing. When he said that to me, I think I was like mind blown for like the whole day when he told me that. Cause he's so nonchalant. Like when he, when he says things or even like when he kind of imparts like any wisdom, it's, mm -hmm. I asked him once, I'm like, we were, we were writing a song and I was like, Arnold, how did you know? How did you know to go, like to go there? I gave him like, I gave him a section that I wrote and he's like, yeah, that sounds like, like, um, like your B section of your verse, like, you know, it, it needs something before kind of like this. And he, and he wrote this part that went perfectly into the part that I wrote. And I meant like on the spot. And I was like, Arn, how did you know to go there? Like, you know what I mean? Like you just went from listening to me to doing it. And then he told me, he's like, he goes, when you have to go to the bathroom, like we have to take a piss. Like, where, where do you go? I was like, I go to the bathroom. He's like, where else are you going? I'm like, nowhere. I could go to the bathroom. He's like, that's <laughs> me with music and melody. I just, I just sort of know where to go. Yeah. And I remember feeling so like deflated. I'm like, I don't have that. Feel like, I don't have that feeling. He's like, don't worry. You'll get that feeling. He's like, yeah. I'm 55 years old. Right. He's like, I've been doing this for years. It's like, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. Like you'll get there and you'll get there how you get there. Yeah. Don't copy me. Be like, be Steve Mo. be you. Right. But just apply the same focus and the same energy that I do. Mm -hmm. And you'll eventually find your own way how to get there. And like, you know, I'm not quite there yet, but I feel like I, I've gotten further along from where I was 10 years ago. But um, so I just learned that from the, the biggest takeaway was just focus and like everything, putting everything in a song for a reason, not just, not just, you know, throwing it in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like over time too, we develop an ability or hopefully strive to um, like tune out that analytical side yeah. Be able to go with those ideas that are coming in. Yeah. The more you're doing it and working at it, the more easily you can just like follow those things when they come to you instead of questioning them. Okay. It's funny you bring that up because this just happened to me. Maybe I, I'd say in the last six months, 
before I would always, I would have these ideas in my head, but again, because you don't have you don't have the confidence mm-hmm. that what just popped in. If it's the first thing, it, it can't be right. It just popped in my head so fast. Yeah. So I'll be producing something, and it's like you, I've ignored those things mm-hmm. to try and chase something maybe more complex because that's music, right? It's like that's it's the total opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I've some of my best work has happened in the last you know little bit of time. Whatever happened in my head. So, you know, a chords played or a certain melody was played, anything, any rhythm, syncopation, counter melody, harmony, anything, it goes, it's down. I yeah. put it down. A very scratch version of it, but <laughs> just to get it down. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a certain rhythm happens. I, before I even go find the sounds, I put it with a microphone and I sing the rhythm in so I don't forget the rhythm. Or you see my voice notes, it is like, I'm going to play these for you one day. They are absolutely they sound so stupid, but they're me driving home from 14 hours in the studio, me driving home saying, okay, I know I went to the C, don't go to the C, go to the D and put this pattern over it. And I'm talking to myself. Mm-hmm. So the next morning I wake up and I just review what my notes were. Mm-hmm. Because that's what came to my head. And then sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, you know yeah. when it works out. Yeah. And I've just been throwing everything that comes to mind lately and not shutting that out mm-hmm. um, and you hear it back it's like holy shit like that's that sounds exactly what's in my head and it's like yeah. and i and i like it and it's yeah. good, and right so you can't even believe that you came up with it you're like really oh yeah no no and it's true and it's i had sent something to rob two months ago uh he's like hey uh got you a, a songwriting session with this with this pop artist i'm like okay cool so then uh the next day i send him a demo back which sounded like a full-on like finished record um and he's like where was this song i was like oh i just did it yesterday i just produced it this morning and i'm saying it to you he's like this is probably one of the better things i've heard from you i was like this is literally whatever happened in my brain put it down that's it yeah like it or not that's me like that's that that's me and i trusted every gut instinct that i had put it in there and it's like and i'm starting to realize that's what makes me me compared mm-hmm. to the next person. And they're going to have their ideas. And that person's going to have their ideas. That's why we all sound different. So yeah. instead of chasing anything else, I chase what's in here. Yeah. And I got to believe it. And I got to think that the last 15 years of me, you know, putting all this work in, maybe it led me to think that way during a song. And I'm just going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny you bring that up because I've just been experiencing that. <laughs> like, I mean, over the years I've been experiencing it, but I've really been listening to that sort of voice in the last little little bit of time mm-hmm. and it's uh it's served me well so yeah i love it yeah. how do you um like what advice do you give to artists in terms of not getting into the trap of working with the producers and stuff that are just looking to make a buck so that's hard if they haven't been in the business long enough mm-hmm. because i mean some of the best producers I know are the best salesmen too, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's too um, unless they know people in the business to sway them, you know, the other direction. Uh, sometimes you just gotta it costs it costs money to go to school, mm-hmm. so sometimes they'll make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, if there's a band that or an artist that comes along, that's like, hey, I was thinking about working with so and so. I'd be like, well, here's my two cents. I'm not telling, I don't tell anybody to not work with anybody. Mm-hmm. That's their business. 
but I can say this is my experience because it's not wrong for me to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even saying, um, I'm not even saying give your money to me. Just don't give your money that way. Cause I know how that's going to happen. Right. And, uh, and then kind of let them make a decision from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's happened to me, uh, once or twice. But then again, I also got the other end of the spectrum, like a guy like Arnold, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, I got to see the actual passion for music and somebody actually just wants what's best for the band mm-hmm. and to write a great song. So I'm able to show that to artists that kind of walk through my door, kind of being like, and I can't say, trust me, trust is something that's earned. So I never really say, trust me because mm-hmm. it's anybody, anybody can really throw that around. Just kind of say, Hey, yeah, trust me. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll work my ass off for you. And I won't just take your money and work yeah. on seven projects at a time. Right. So trust is earned. That's why almost every project I do, I don't even, I actually don't take money up front. Mm. I don't, I, it's like, um, it's like a dating process. It's kind of like, you know, bands will say like, you know, how much do you charge for this? It's like, well, I'll give them my rate. But it's like, but don't, don't give that to me right away. You don't even know me. Like you like my work. You've heard my work. You've heard it on the radio. You've heard it, you know, in this video game, whatever the hell you heard. But how do you know that I'm going to work well with you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I work well with my wife, but there could be an awesome girl standing there. Like chances are like we might not be compatible at all. It doesn't make her bad. It doesn't make me bad. It's just, it's just the way of life. That's just how it is. So let's date for a little bit. Let's get in a room. Let's write some songs. See if you like what I have to offer and what I'm bringing to the table. And then from there, you can make a judgment call. You can say, you know what, man, I love working with this guy. Yeah. So at least I can't, that, that's the that's the trust me process yeah i have to prove it i i feel like every producer should prove it mm-hmm. right i feel like they should prove their worth and prove how much they're actually they actually care about a project i'll spend weeks with the band before even talking about money mm-hmm. i'll just be like yeah like let me hear you and because it's my name on it as well yeah right so i don't want to get in i don't want to get into bed with with a band that i don't think i can make i can turn into anything mm-hmm there's been tons of bands that have turned down even at a time where it's like, if I don't have work, if I don't have any projects and there's a band that comes along, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. Like we're just not jiving or I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling what your, you know, what your band is about. I don't think your ideas are strong enough yet, but maybe come to me in six months and chances are they, they do. They're like, they're like when I got told to be better, mm-hmm. they go back and some of them I don't hear from at all. And some of them actually come back six months later we're like holy shit there you go that's way better mm-hmm. that i can work with. Mm-hmm. and then right there they just gained i just gained their trust yeah because yeah. i didn't just take their money it's not about it's it's really not about that for me it's I'm, I'm actually trying to make really good music for people because we might have uh um a temporary relationship in the studio but that song lives with you guys forever Mm-hmm. more than me because you're the one with your name on it and you're the one that has to tour with that for the rest of your life mm-hmm. so I, I i keep that in mind every time like let's face it i'm i'm responsible for their music and i'm around it 90 percent more than they are mm-hmm. when they leave i'm i'm working on it mm-hmm. the next morning i wake up i'm working on it so when they show up at noon i've been at it for four hours when they leave at 10 i'm still at it for another three hours mm-hmm. So I'm responsible for their careers and I have to, 
I have to keep that in mind, right? I can't just kind of show up and be like, oh, well, okay, what am I going to throw at this song today? Who cares? I can't say that. You know what I mean? Like I have to be very, very, very mindful of where they want to be, like what they want to sound like and that they do want to impress people at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And again, there's not everybody thinks that way. I can say that now because I work with people that don't. Yeah. And I work with people that do. And I, I try to um, replicate that mentality, right? Mm-hmm. I try to carry myself that way. I think it goes a long way. It's such a special role to play. It's like for me when I'm curating and I have the one room and no matter what artist is coming in, I have to give that room that never changes their identity, um, make it speak for them and convey their message and their passion. And it's like, it's such a powerful and gratifying thing to be able to help someone share their vision. Yeah, because it's their career first. Mm-hmm. It's not yours, mm-hmm. or else you you would be the artist. I would be the like you would be the person that's, you know, being on the picture, being in the forefront. I would be the artist, but I'm not the artist. I'm just trying to make the artist. It's my job to make the the artist sound like them in five years. Yeah, I make the artist sound like them now. I failed. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Because. They're in competition. The second the song gets done and put out there, mm-hmm. they're in competition with the biggest artists in the world. Mm-hmm. There's no disclaimer that, that, you know, on a song that says, hey, before you listen to this, we had a quarter of the budget that Foo Fighters had, probably a tenth of the budget Foo Fighters had. <laughs> um, we've only been doing this for five years. They've been doing it for 35 years. It's like, that doesn't happen. They yeah. just say, I don't like your song as much as the last Foo Fighters record. Yeah. I don't like this song as much as Hello by Adele. Mm-hmm. that's how they that's how they compare things it's the same thing when we go you know to a restaurant and be like yeah that restaurant's way better mm-hmm. it's like and if somebody told me but that chef's only been doing it for three years yeah. okay cool i still like that restaurant way better than this restaurant. like i don't care mm-hmm. right so it's my job to make the the artist sound like them in five years mm-hmm. five to ten years so i have to pick up the slack mm-hmm. right and if that if that means a little bit more uh editing here or a little bit more uh, and a lot, of, a lot to do is, is, is pushing them mm-hmm. big time. If you don't, oh yeah. If it's, if it's, if it's fun, if it's too much fun in the studio, I, I am sucking at my job. <laughs> like there has to be, there has to be points where you don't like me. Like you, you have, there has to be points where like I'm in your nightmares. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't happen, you didn't get pushed enough. Like, let's look at it this way. If we go to the gym, we sign up for a personal, uh, to have a personal trainer. We're in those sessions with the personal trainer. The person we want to kill the most is our personal trainer. Like yeah. we see red. We're yeah. like, you know, we want to bash their brains in from what they're telling us to do. Yeah. Cause they're pushing us and pushing us in a year. When we look the best we've ever looked, mm-hmm. who's your favorite person in the world? That trainer, <laughs> your personal trainer. It's like, yeah. I love you. Can't believe I said all those things to you. Can't believe like I wanted to kill you. But now you have all my love and respect. The same person. They didn't change. You changed. They didn't change. Mm -hmm. That's me. And the the amount of microphones thrown, broken headphones whipped against the wall that Mm -hmm. have happened. But all of a sudden, when you hear the song on the radio, and it's like the singer message you saying like, man, that's just had a flash of like, how much like I wanted to murder you during that song, but it's like <laughs> myself back. It's like holy shit, it actually sounds good. Yeah, like, I, I can actually listen to myself on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's like 
I know. I knew that the whole time. And I was just kind of like, don't worry, stay the course. Trust me. Again, it's the whole trust me thing. It's the, we're going to do this. And sometimes, sometimes uh, sessions for one song, like four or five sessions for a lead vocal on one song. Yeah. Like four or five days. Yeah. I don't care. I'll sit there for 10 days. If that's how long it takes, again, that's me making them, you know, sound like them in five years because in five years from now, they could probably knock it off in a day. So to me, that's but, so much more valuable than like paying for studio time and going in and having to get that vocal line in 15 minutes because you've only got two hours. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't. Yeah. And, and again, like that's, there's a difference between an engineer mm-hmm. and, and a very good producer mm-hmm. because an engineer is paid also by the hour. Mm-hmm or by the day and they just press record and they'll tell you, yeah, do it again. It was out of tune. Do it again. More life to it. Mm-hmm. Where I'll be like on the other side, I'll be like, Hey, go home because like, did you have a cold? Yeah. yeah I, just, I just got over a cold. Great. I can hear it. Go home. Mm-hmm. Or let's hop in here. Let's flesh out the lyrics for that other song mm-hmm. because there's no use you singing. Right now. Mm-hmm. And then if they are in, in, in good shape when they're singing, it's like, okay, you're pronouncing your L's like you're putting your tongue, you're plastering it to the top, to the roof of your mouth. I can hear the L way too much. You know, make your tongue kind of go to your front teeth. You do that, you'll pronounce your L's a lot less and it won't come on the mix as much more. Mm-hmm. And they'll try that. And remember, they're not going to do it like that. It's going to take them a bit of time. Yeah. So they'll go home and they'll practice songs like that. It'll, they come back the next day, that's another tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. They come back the next day, it's like, okay, when you're reaching, a lot of singers think it's like, you know, they, they want to put their head up. It's like, no, it's actually, you got to keep it as, as straight as possible. And you got to sing from like, from down here, sing from your diaphragm. It's all these things. You become a vocal coach as you're doing it. So now they learn these things mid session, the techniques of how to do it. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, how are they supposed to have the same feel? If they just, if they're trying to remember 10 things, I just told them about yeah. technique. Well, they can't. That's why they go back the next day. Mm-hmm. Now they have those techniques that they've, practiced and now it becomes a muscle memory and then they can focus on the feel of of things Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's why sometimes things take four to five days and i will sit there every minute and do that then when they leave i'll spend two days to edit i i I basically build what we call a a vocal comp it's a highlight reel of like their best moments and i make that into one smooth take because that is what they can sound like in five years Mm -hmm. maybe not right now but it's their voice. They yeah. did it. I didn't do it. I didn't go in there and sing. They're singing it. So somehow they got it out. Mm-hmm. And then now they have something to sort of look forward to and look up to and try and perfect mm-hmm. their own voice. Right. And that's how bands could get better. That's how singers, that's how artists get better. If they, it goes back to our initial conversation. If they want to, if they want to watch Netflix, they're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. And those aren't the, the, like the artists that I want to work with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so much of it too, I think, is confidence. And when you can hear yourself sounding like that, it. Uh, oh yeah, of course, because that's them at the end of the day. Like they might not have the confidence when they're doing it, or some of them don't have confidence when they come back and they're like, "Holy shit, how much work was that to get me to sound like that?" It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like who who cares? Yeah. Again, we know what's going on in the, in the industry. I hear as I'm hearing like songs on the radio, I can hear little vocal edits. I actually hear something didn't get crossfaded properly. Mm. Who cares? Mm-hmm. The average listener, if I told them 
you know, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell a buddy. It's like, they, some of them don't know that we recorded in separate rooms. Mm. Like, it's like, what do you mean it gets recorded at different times? It's like, yeah, you know, the drums get recorded and then like the bass get, gets recorded or sometimes the vocalist is records it a month later. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Do you like the song any less? No. Okay. Yeah. Who cares? Like they don't like the song less. Yeah. They don't like the song any less. Mm-hmm. They, they see the song at face value. Mm-hmm. We do all the behind the scenes stuff to make them sound as good as their favorite artists. Yeah. Right. So when you tell people, it's like, Oh, that vocal comp took like eight hours. First of all, they're going to ask you, what the hell is a vocal comp? <laughs> Second of all, they're going to say, I don't, don't give a shit. Vocal sounds awesome. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That, my work is done. The singer did their job. Now it's their job to sort of like, you know, get better and better behind closed doors. Like that's what they want to do. Right. So mm-hmm. when they go on stage, they can sing that. And that's up to them. I can't, you know, as much as I still do check up on singers and kind of being like, Hey, you, you've been practicing, you know, you got, you got a bunch of tours coming up. Make sure that you're, you're practicing, make sure you're practicing your breathing, make sure that you're, you're sleeping. You know, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not, you're not drinking as much. You're not going out, you know, spending your voice. Those are all things I do still check up on because I do want them to have careers. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in finger 11, it's again, when you join a band like that, you think it's like, Oh, it's, it's, it's just the old school rock stars that are just partying all the time. Scott, the singer, like he's, he, he'll have a beer. He'll go to bed. If we have like four shows in a row, you don't like Scott at night is after a show, shower, beer on the bus, bed. Mm. When we have a day off, he'll go out. Mm-hmm. Right. And he won't, he won't get completely shittered. He'll just like, he'll have a bunch of beers. He'll He'll get to stay out past midnight. Yeah. Other than that, he's sleeping because that's his tool. Like that's his voice. Yeah. And he takes it seriously. So when I saw that, even now we're doing um, demos for the new Fring 11 record. This guy, Scott, comes in and sings these demos. He's soaking wet in like 20 minutes. You see him through the glass. He's singing that demo like it's the final record. Wow. When I saw that for the first time, it blew my mind. I was like, that, that is the reason why they're one of, one of the bigger bands in Canada. Like that's, that's why they have a hit that has over 80 million streams on Spotify. Mm-hmm. That's why. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can see it. This guy's not just phoning it in. Even after 30 years of career, he's still singing a demo like he's on stage in front of 30,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, and I said, Scott, man, like that, that was like that was like an eye opener for me. Nobody comes in here, like sings demos like that. He's like, well, what's the point of me driving all the way here to give you like a shitty demo? Like it's a waste of my time. And he goes, and that very well may end up on a record. We've, we might run out of time being like, Hey, that's the vocal we have. Yeah. We got to put the song out. He goes, so I sing every song. Like it's, he goes, don't use the word demo. Just say, Hey Scott, we got to sing that song today. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, and all these demos that we've been doing, Probably 90% of them, I'm keeping those vocals for the final record. Mm. Those vocals are not getting resigned. Like, there's no point. He's just going to do the exact same thing again. Mm-hmm. So that's a message to a lot of, a lot of bands who think it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just demos or it's, or it's just rehearsal. Mm-hmm. No, like when these guys rehearse, like they, they rehearse. And it they feels rehearse. Good to do things with integrity. And What's like, that? It feels good to do things with integrity and give it yeah. your well. That's, that's exactly it. But it's amazing seeing guys that have you know, been successful doing it mm-hmm. after so many years still doing it. Yeah. Like that's the formula. Like, clearly it's like, you see it right in front of you. It's like, Oh, that's why they're still successful. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why mm-hmm. they're not phoning it in. And 
we've toured with bands that do phone it in, but you know, they have such big hits that I guess they can. <laughs> but, uh, but then there's bands that don't like there's bands that still, I mean, I've seen the, I've seen Foo Fighters now like, like four or five times. Dave Grohl still, he still plays every show. Like he just got signed the night before and he has something to prove. It's incredible. Like he's still a 19 year old kid on stage mm -hmm. that plays for three hours, just drenched. And he, you could tell he actually wants to play more. If there wasn't a curfew, he'd be there for six hours. Mm -hmm which is incredible. Like that's every, every artist should go into their career thinking they, you know, they need to do that. Yeah. Cause if they don't, people, the, the listeners are smarter than we think. Mm -hmm. I didn't think this when I was younger. I thought I was, I was, I'm way smarter than listener because I'm in the industry. No, the listeners are way, the fan music fans are way smarter than we think. Mm -hmm. They know they can see right through it. They can see right through a shitty lyric. They can <laughs> see right through a song that, you know, maybe the singer didn't, it didn't happen to them. Like they, they feel it. Yeah. It's more important in our, in our industry. Like in movies, we have, um, uh, like the, the actors have luxury of when the viewers, when they're watching them, they hear the dialogue, but we also see hand like gestures, facial mm -hmm. expressions in music. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't, we don't get to see that. We just get to hear it. Mm -hmm. But isn't it crazy how, all of the best singers in the world, you picture their faces. Like, yeah. tell me you tell me you don't picture Freddie Mercury sing every single note when you you're not looking at him. Yeah. But why? But why? Why can you see Freddie Mercury every single time you hear him sing? Yeah, it's true. Lady, I thought about Lady that. Gaga. Lady Gaga. Yeah. You picture her face every single time she sings on a record. Mm -hmm. All the best singers you picture mm -hmm. because they're they're doing they're doing that in the vocal booth. Yeah, They're, it's acting. Mm -hmm. It's acting, and then some, because there's no screens that we can see, mm -hmm. right? That's why we picture all the best singers in our mind when they're singing, mm -hmm. because they're like that's how good they are. That's how much they're, you know, expressing their their melodies, their lyrics. And I, I, you know, I, I thought of that. Like some of our, some of the um, singers that I don't picture. Um, it, they just do, let's say, lesser of a job than, you know, people like Freddie Mercury or Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Like, they're given it. There's, like, again, there's a reason why they're considered monsters in our, in our, in our business, right? Yeah. Especially a guy like Freddie Mercury. You see it, mm -hmm. you know? Stevie Wonder, same thing. Like, you every single time, like, that guy's singing, you picture exactly what he's doing. Tom York. You know, you picture the, the, the head tilt. <laughs> but, like, you, but you do. You do picture it, right? Yeah. Chris Cornell, like, uh, Chris Martin, all these guys. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, that's, um, and again, as I learn these things through my career, these are things that I tell singers when they, when they get in the booth, because they automatically, they all think they're sort of like, you know, evoking this, uh, this, this feeling. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's like, I need more. They're like, I'm giving you as much as I can. It's like, no, nah, you're not. Come yeah. here for you bring them in the control room and I just sit with them for an hour and I just listen to the music and then I play their take. And they're like, holy shit, not even close. I'm like, not even on the same planet. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Yeah. And you still won't get it yet. But, it, you know, in a week from now, keep listening to these singers. They come, all of a sudden these singers come back, like, now they know what I'm after. Mm -hmm. Then they come do it. And the best is when you play their take from a week ago to now. It's like 10 years went by. Yeah. Because, again, nobody told them. Mm-hmm. 
and unless somebody tells you, right, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like unless somebody tells you, you, you like what you're doing wrong or what you think you're doing right. Uh, no, like somebody has to tell you for that to sort of like, you know, strike a chord. Right. So that's, I have to act as, as, as a mirror. Like we get dressed every day. One thing we do for sure every single day before we leave our house is we look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. At some point we've looked in the mirror mm-hmm. at some point. And that's what a producer is. The producer is the guy that tells you, yeah, you're, you're like your, your hair sticking up or you got, you got something on your face. You got something in your teeth or, your, or your flies look. <laughs> like that's what a producer does. A producer has got to tell you what sort of, what's a little off. Like, let's work on that. Do you feel like all artists in whichever, um, whether you're a visual artist or a musician um, or an actor, do you feel like everyone should seek some kind of a mentor? I think so. Uh, only because speaking from experience, I know what it's, uh, what it's done for me. Um, it's not to say that that's the only recipe. Like I think, um, there's been many people that, uh, many people that are successful without that, that never had one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the people that I know and I've talked to that have had one, you know, that that's, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it another way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, like, you know, I wouldn't. And that came at a, you know, critical time for me. I was 25 when I went down to California. I remember I turned, I, it was on my 25th birthday. I was in California and I, and it was from 25 to 30 when I was there. And that was a very, very, very crucial time for me to kind of get my shit together. Right. Because I think it was a week before I even met Arnold. I, I was, yeah, I was 24. And I remember talking to my parents. I was just kind of saying like, I feel like I'm getting somewhere, but like at a snail's pace. Like, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I can actually do this. Like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm even good enough for this. Like I've just heard no a lot. Right. And I've heard, and then people, uh, when they hear yes, you have to realize too, like people put so much weight on no, but how much weight do they put on the word yes when after two years have gone by and that yes turned into nothing? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's why, you know, people shouldn't get hung up on, on the no and yes thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met Arnold and it was like, he tells me, he's like, yeah, you're you know, one of the most talented dudes I've met, like that I've got to work with. I, I'd love to mentor you. It's like, Oh, okay. That put more fuel in the tank for me, you yeah. know, until a year went by. It's like, I don't know if I can do this. And it's like another year goes by. It's like, I don't know if I can do it. And you, you, every time like that happens, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I should be doing this. Maybe I got, I got to go get a different job. I got to go somewhere else. But you look back and saying, Oh yeah, but I've done way more in the last year than I did the year before. Yeah. And the next year goes by. It's like, I've done way more. Mm-hmm. There's time. There's been times during the whole finger 11 phase being like, shit, I, I don't know if I can make a career out of this. But if you told me that before I joined Free 11 saying you're going to join Free 11, it's, well, I'm going to make it then. Like, that's it. Like, that's, yeah. I'm going to be successful. But then all of a sudden you join and it's like, I got to, I got to be better. I got to, now I got to write a hit song with them. I got to, I got to write a record with them. Or I got to hear a song on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I found out the other day, a band that I'd worked with uh, got on Billboard, like, you know, most added rock songs. And then I saw it, it was like, it was cool for like literally 20 seconds. And I was like, okay, but I have to have more on that. Like, that's not good enough. I got to have another one this year, mm-hmm. right? And I got to have a song that comes up with this. And it's like, you, want, you always want sort of more. Mm-hmm. So I just, now I just gave up on the whole, 
I don't think I should do this. I have no choice. I'm doing this now. Like this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. I've been able to sort of like make a living. Right. And I've been happy with it. And every year has gotten better and better. So it's like, okay, I'm doing this now enough with that. I don't think I can do this anymore. It's like, I am doing this. Yeah. I've been doing it. Uh, and it's just, it's literally, it's like small victories at a time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, one big, you know, one big victory, but it's never, I'm grateful but it's never enough for me. I always want, I always want more. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's finding that bit of like, you got to stay humble in the process. Cause like I said, there's always somebody somewhere that is much further than you are. Mm-hmm. And that puts you right back. You know, it's like, so what I play in a band, like, you know, the band like finger 11, I'm not, you know, I'm not Larry Mullen and you too. <laughs> At the end of the day, it comes down to that, right? There's always somebody that's that much better, that much more successful. You can only control what you can control. Yeah. Right. You can't control if somebody's going to like your stuff. No, but you can't control how hard you work mm-hmm. and how much you're reaching out to people mm-hmm. that you can control. You can't control what they're going to say back, mm-hmm. but you can control how hard you work. And if the harder you work, the more, you know, the more opportunities you're going to get. That's mm-hmm. just, that just goes hand in hand. It's, it's, that, that's the domino effect. Mm-hmm. What would be like the, biggest I guess takeaway piece of advice you'd give to emerging artists uh in which in which regard like the artists or the on this side of things like um or both the both I guess or artists or creatives in general whether it's like a visual artist or a musician or uh well I guess sort of like everything like encompassing what we've been sort of talking about it's like I'll work the next person Mm-hmm. If that person's working eight hours a day on their craft, you do 12, you do four more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's what, 28 hours at the end of the week. That's 28 more hours than that person just worked on their craft. Mm-hmm. So I'll work the next person always, um, work smart. That's easy to say. Working smart comes with time. Because it takes experience to know how to work smart. Mm -hmm. To kind of look back and say, oh my God, I can't believe I used to spend so much time on that during the day. It's like, what that was so useless. (laughs) So now you know how to work smart, right? But, um, so yeah, like outworking the next person. uh, And like I said before, doing things for for free. Mm -hmm. Finding a way to do it. Going, like, if there's two people uh, trying to get a job and... Uh, one can get hired, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to get hired? The one that says, well, I need, uh, how are you going to pay me by the way? How does, how do, how do we get paid? And the other person says, don't, don't pay me a dime. I just, I want to make sure that you do give me attention and that I can learn from this. Mm-hmm. Who gets the job? Yeah. Always. So I, I encourage people if they can work for free with certain people that will allow it. Mm-hmm. And provided they're going to learn something mm-hmm. and they have something to offer, I would say do that. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, and that's usually for like, uh, like producers, right? Yeah. But the artists themselves, you have no choice. You're going to work for free. Yeah. Like at, at the beginning, sorry, actually the other way you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're a band that nobody uh, knows about, mm-hmm. you want to get songs out. So people know about you. Mm-hmm. How do those songs get paid for you have to find a way to do that. So you, it's a, it, you lose, you know, you lose in the beginning, mm-hmm. but again, it's, it's how bad, how bad do you want something? 
And right? investing in yourself as a business, like in any other field, if you were to go and start a business, there's costs of investing and to open that of course. space. Of course. I mean, there's things every, every week, I'm, 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 you know, you get money from a project here and you obviously just sink it back into like, I just, you know, bought a microphone for $5,000. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, but that microphone sounds better than the last one I had. So I, okay, I got that. And all of a sudden now this new software comes out. That's like 1200 bucks. It's like yeah. shit. And everybody's kind of buying it. And that becomes like the new industry standard. I, I can't, I can't just fall by the wayside. I have to, you know, get that. So yeah. you start put that on the bill. You start putting it. And you're, like you said, you're investing in yourself, mm -hmm. right? If it makes your brand better, mm -hmm. you have no choice. Sometimes you have to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, a lot of people, a lot of people always think that their stuff is better than it is. That's one thing I, I guess I can say like that can, you know, sort of let artists know that's just because like they're so, you're so biased, like your own work. Right. And, and, you did something, you're proud of it. But remember, nobody, I would say this, nobody cares how long that took. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares, mm -hmm. right? Like Daniel Johns from Silverchair wrote Tomorrow at 15 years old. And at 16, that song was a number one hit. Mm -hmm. uh, Christoph Waltz skipping to movies in Glorious Bastards. You know, the, you know the, yeah. the guy in Glorious uh, That was like his breakthrough, like, in in you know in mainstream media that was he was in his what 50s look like so total end like daniel johns at like getting success number one song at 16 years old this dude getting his like you know mainstream big hollywood movie at like in his 50s mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so the whole way never think your shit's awesome you just gotta you know keep going through keep going through the motions and you just got to sort of make a promise to yourself. You got to get better and better. Once you finish a product, put it in the past, make your next one better than your last one, mm -hmm. better than the last one. Eventually you're just going to end up on something good. Yeah. So I, I, I had that problem when I was younger. It was like everything, like I said, we delivered that thing to Robert. It was like, oh man, he's going to love this. He hated it. Like he <laughs> hated it. It sucked. And I, but again, I look, I listen back to it now. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe we sent him that. Like I'm surprised he even, took my next phone call <laughs> like that's how bad it was right mm -hmm. so that's something i can sort of tell young artists like don't think your stuff is that good be proud of it proud is one thing right um but don't think it's gonna open every door yeah just it, like it might but keep working on the next song yeah and keep working on the live show and just keep working every day because mm -hmm. you'll you'll outdo the next band you always will while they're sort of like sleeping and you know watching Netflix playing video games and you're not, you're gonna come out. You're gonna come out the uh, the other end way way further along. Mm -hmm. So what is next other than learning the piano? Yeah, what is next for you? Next in isolation or next in when all this is over? Both. <laughs> Both. Uh, other than learning the piano, um, I got to get my drum chops back. That's for sure because mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't played in a while. And, uh, well, we, we were supposed to have shows lined up all summer yeah. right? Some tours and stuff. And then that got pushed aside, but I got to remind myself to actually keep playing. Cause you know, it's, it's, you got to get your timing back and all those things. Like mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, like you stop playing something for a while and you go back to it. It's like you're a rookie for the first time. Yeah. Um, so I got to get that back up, but also, um, I've been doing a lot of, um, 
like co-writing still, but through like this, like through Zoom. Oh, cool. Oh yeah, a lot of people have been uh, been doing that, and uh, again, it's a different vibe. It's not the same vibe as somebody being in the room, but it's uh, but it's something at least to get the ideas across. That when you know this all this is over, we have ideas to kind of work on and songs to put out, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but also spending time with my family—that's been the silver lining. Mm-hmm. And all this, I haven't you know doing what I do. I don't I don't spend as much time as I'd like at mm-hmm. home. So um, I. Like I took last weekend, um, Friday, most of Saturday and all of Sunday, like stayed at home, right. my wife and kid. And it was like, and she, now my kid loves having me around. She's like, this is different. Like this is yeah. so cool. So, and it's amazing. Well fun. I, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It's been a, like a, a reset that way. Mm-hmm. I needed that for sure. Um, so yeah, that's been good. I mean, again, I've still managed to stay busy, but. Uh, I brought a piano home as well, just like a shitty Casio keyboard that I can actually like play there so I can spend some time. So if she's napping or if she's sleeping at night, I can still go, you know, play there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like upstairs. So yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. Well, I'm going to link everywhere where people can find you um, in the yep. comments for the podcast. Yep. Um, but thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for, for having fun. me. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. That was so much fun chatting with Steve. And I honestly feel motivated to up my own game after that conversation. If you want to find Steve, you can see him on Instagram at Steve underscore Mo or stevemalella.com. I'll link everything down below. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please show us some love as well by subscribing or sharing this with a friend. And stay tuned to our next episode where Melanie Pinto, my partner in crime, will be joining us as we talk about how to stay creative at home. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.